When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on? What do I do, guys? I can't hear anything. What do I do? Drew, could you hear something in yours? No, right? Are you on best of? Are you on best of? We have dead air? We gotta put a best of on Drew. We're gonna lose every station we have. Well, I don't know what to do. What do I do? Just read stories? And five, four, three. Yeah, I'm sure we will, Michael. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! The freedom of speech is being taken away. to a brand new life, to a brand new day, from all the way from the wastelands of California, in the desolate land of Hell Centro. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. Oh my, the mute button overcame the program there. I'm, I'm terribly sorry about that. Live and direct right now, yes. If you are wondering, yes, this is a live program, my goodness. You can join us here, live every Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, on the TuneIn Radio app. Of course, search End of Days, and that's where you'll be able to find this program. A great program, I must add. Of course, the podcast version of this program is on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can find that through Google Play, of course. Always there. Now, through the dawn of time, man has witnessed bizarre events in the remote past. Strange objects seen coming from the heavens above. The Chinese speak of ancient tales of flying carts flown by one-armed, three-eyed people. Then there are the tales of Vamanas in the sky, over the skies of India. There is no doubt ancient man saw something up above till this very day. There are reports of mysterious objects in the sky. Most of us listening, listening right now have heard of Area 51 and Dose, New Mexico's underground base. My next guest has researched Many of these topics, my guest tonight is Norio Hayakawa, who has spent decades investigating Area 51 and UFOs. Of course, one of his main focuses 
is on the alleged secret base in Dose, New Mexico, and cattle mutilations in that area. In 1990, Norio created the Civilian Intelligence Network, which he calls a Citizens Oversight Committee on Government Accountability, a grassroots watchdog group established to help ensure liberty, justice, and freedom of information for all. Norio also was in the film Area 51. He's appeared on various radio shows, and now he has been summoned to End of Days. The Michael Deacon Program, live and direct once again. My apologies. Let's continue here. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Tonight will be a little bit of a rattlesnake, I must say. Feeling great tonight. Illuminated, I am. Proud to sit here behind the shiny microphone once again. Always an honor it is. So thank you once again for being here. As you could have been anywhere else in the world, but you decided to take the red pill, so here you are with me once again on the Michael Deacon program. I hope all of you are doing fine this evening. That feeling is in the air once again, I must say. A lot to go over here tonight. So much to talk about here. This should be a great night. I'm glad all of you are out there. If this is the first time you are joining us here on End of Days, the Michael Deacon program, this is a show about the strange and the unusual. Anything I deem interesting will be discussed. And yes, this is a live call-in show. That means I need some of you out there once in a great blue moon here. I'm only going to be accepting calls, however, from the other number, the 760-332-8724 number. That's the only number you can call in here tonight. And of course, through Skype, end of days, Mike. That's end of days, Mike with the letter Y. And of course, not the letter I in Mike. So once again, folks, time is not on our side. It seems like it's that perfect time right now to bring on our first guest. I know he's out there waiting, so let's not waste any time here, folks. Hello, Norio. How you doing? Hi, Michael. Long time no talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a really, really long time since we've last talked here. Of course, it was under a different banner, but regardless, here we are once again. So thank you for sharing some time with us, all, with all of us here tonight. It's my pleasure. Yes. Yeah, so before we get into anything here, there, there's so much to talk about, I must say. Um, how are you, Norio? Is everything going well for you? Oh, yes, everything is fine, and uh, I am actually getting very excited by the opportunity to give a 90-minute presentation in Rio Rancho entitled Area 51 in Nevada and Dulce, New Mexico, dash, Reality versus Myths. Dulce, Nuevo Mexico, as I'd like to call it. That's right, you got you got it right. Oh, yes. It's a beautiful location, I must say. What are the people like there? Oh, the people, for the most part, are very nice. And, uh, you know, it's part of the Hikari Apache uh, Native American uh, culture and land. Very nice, yes. So, Norio, before we get into anything here, let's go over your background just a little bit here. Actually, my background is not important oh, no. at all. Because uh, many times... People have described me as such and such, and uh, which is not, which has not been that accurate. Uh, even though 
I have been involved in the so-called ufology. Uh, <clears throat> I am the last person to admit that I am no expert in this field. Understood, yes. I, I was uh, involved since 1961. So uh, if somebody describes me as an expert in Dulce or an expert in Area 51, that is not true because uh, I am a person that's just interested in presenting uh, a logical, reasonable uh, uh, talk regarding the entire field of so-called ufology. Understood. And what got you involved in ufology? Well, actually, when I was small, uh, when I was in a grade school, my father did affect me because he used to tell me of how he witnessed a strange greenish ball of fire one night in 1947 uh, while fishing in the Bay of Yokohama, Japan. And uh, this uh, claim by my father and his recounting of the, uh, the, the his sighting uh, had a deep impact on me when I was growing up. Uh, even though my mother uh, was kind of skeptical, skeptical about it, uh, I, I was fascinated. And it, it's I always it's always the mothers who are skeptical, right? Yes, that's right. That's uh, somehow it <laughs> yeah, ends like that. Yes, that's so funny. So, Norio, did you ever experience anything yourself? Any strange lights in the sky growing up? Oh yes, uh, like in the 90, early 1990s. To be exact, uh, around 1993, I did witness what I could describe as uh, apparently uh, unexplainable uh, lights. But again, uh, what I saw may have prosaic explanations. And so I leave uh, the field open to, uh, you know, acceptance of two things. And I'm a strong believer in physical reality. And uh, at the same time, I do not discount the possibility that some non-physical realities could may exist in this cosmos. And so that's why I take, uh, uh, you know, both angles. But I only know about physical reality because I was influenced by the teachings and writings of the late Carl Sagan, who I consider to be one of the most important astronomers, astrophysicists, and scientists in the 20th, 20th century. That's funny, uh, you, it's, it's yes. funny you mentioned him, by the way, because I have the book Contact sitting on my dresser right now. That's very good. But I was more or less talking about his uh last book right. before he died. Mm -hmm. Yes. He wrote an amazing book called The Demon Haunted World. Indeed. Science as a candle in the dark. And he really explained what that dark is. And I believe that we are living in a society uh of darkness. Well you're not gonna get an argument from me on that one. It's a very fascinating time we are living in right now, I must say. Speaking of which, nope. you know, let yeah. me let me just jump ahead here and just say, uh, in regards of disclosure, do you think that's ever going to happen? Well, the big question is, what is there to disclose? That's my biggest question. Yes, I, I, I appreciate the efforts of those who are into the disclosure movement, but what is there to disclose and uh, by whom and... Uh, what would be the conclusion? Uh, because, as I said, 
I strongly believe that we are living in physical reality, but I open the door that there are non-physical realities in the world. And uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the non-physical realities in this world are basically such things as beliefs, religion, mysticism, and myths, as well as the so-called UFO industry. Now, the UFO industry is heavily re- relying on the non-physical reality and people's beliefs, whether it's religious-oriented beliefs or spiritual-oriented beliefs, because most people who are religious by nature tend to believe in the unknown. They tend to believe in the, the mysteries. They tend to believe in the, uh, uh, you know, myths even. So uh, this is, I consider to be a non-physical reality. Uh, and uh, the UFO industry in general has uh, gotten a lot of support from this uh, sector of society that is heavily into beliefs and, uh, you know, uh, spiritualism, religious beliefs, and mysticism. But unfortunately, I only know about physical reality. And uh, as I said, that does not mean that I am not open to other realities. And uh, that, that's uh, my explanation. No problem. Sure. Did you grow up religious by any chance? Uh, I did not grow up religious. I started uh, considering the religious uh, beliefs uh, when I was in college here in New Mexico. Actually, uh, yeah, uh, I attended a Catholic school in Japan for 12 years. And uh, even then, after graduating from that school, after 12 years, I did not convert to Catholicism. That must have but been, when I, that must yeah, have been but interesting, when I came by the way. to New Mexico... Wow and started attending a Catholic college here in Albuquerque, I was affected by a certain type of religious movement involving the Catholic, uh, uh, you know, uh, movement. It's, it's sure. called charismatic renewal or charismatic movement. I was very deeply into that, and thus, during those times, I was quite heavily into uh, religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs. And, of course, everybody knows the difference between religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs. Uh, because sure. Religion is an outward form, and spiritual is basically uh, personal. And what exactly broke your notion of that? Well, actually, it was in around 1978 that I began to devour books by Dr. Jacques Vallée and Dr. or uh, John A. Keel, a, a tremendous author on, um, uh, you know, Fortean-type subject matter. And uh, the, the reason I was interested in the writings of Dr. Jacques Vallée, as well as John A. Hill, in 1978, I think it was that year or around that year, it absolutely changed my view of the UFO phenomena, which until then I relegated UFO phenomena to extraterrestrial, uh, you know, spacecraft coming from, uh, uh, you know, outer space. In other words, I was a supporter of the UFO phenomenon as conclusive evidence of physical ET visitation. And uh, at this time, I'm not, uh, because ever since 1978, 
I have maintained my skepticism on UFOs as conclusive evidence of physical ET visitations, and I stand to this day. Yes. Speaking of which, you are well aware of all the conferences that go on here in the United States and elsewhere about UFOs, correct? That's correct. I'm familiar with conferences You're because I've com- attended yes. many, many uh, in the 1990s and you know, early 2000s. But uh, my conclusion is that, yeah, I'm not against uh, conferences, well, but, yes, uh, but conferences mm-hmm. have been dominated by elements which promote basically mm-hmm. uh, mysticism, myths, and uh, beliefs rather than... right. You know, straight science. Yes, and uh, I was just about to mention, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are not so genuine in in these circles, I must say. That's true. Many of them are in the conferences are, and also in this so-called UFO segment of society, uh, simply as, uh, as, uh, you know, entertainment. Yes, some of these people have uh, cult-like followings too. It's kind That's of exactly true. Very That's unusual, exactly. right? That is absolutely true. This is the reason why I wrote uh, a couple of articles about the UFO industry. The show must go on, and it to me it has been nothing but a show, uh, and has been the promotion of uh, non-scientific uh, sector of uh, you know uh, studies and so on and. Only promoting uh, the uh, items that uh, benefit and enrich the UFO industry in general. And I'm talking about not only some authors and some UFO conference promoters, sure, uh, you know, but uh, many other uh, people involved, such as vendors who appear constantly in these uh, conferences and promoting, uh, you know, occultic uh, items for sale and so on. Not so long ago was the anniversary of the Phoenix Lights incident. What's your opinion on that whole mass sighting? Was it one of ours or was it from elsewhere? Well, this is a very good question because I base everything on hard, tangible, solid, irrefutable documentary evidence. Correct. Uh, and uh, I have not seen, of course, there have been so much hype about the 19. 19- 97 Phoenix Lights mm-hmm. incident, and uh, so much hype has actually muddied the waters of what may really have happened. Uh, we just don't know exactly what uh, happened. Uh, anybody that states dogmatically that uh, Phoenix uh, sightings of 1997 were was, were proof uh, of uh, extraterrestrial arrival is just, uh, <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, there was all sorts of reports about this strange object in the sky, the size of a football field, even some eyewitnesses say, but we really don't know, right? We really don't know, and that's the whole point uh, about this whole subject matter. Uh, we talk about the UFO, UFOs and the UFO phenomena. There is a slight difference between yes. UFOs and the UFO phenomena, which most people get confused. The UFOs simply mean unidentified flying object objects, but even the last O, the objects, is still debatable because, as I said, there's yet to be any physical proof that these uh, uh, things are uh, physical in nature. 
And this, this is the reason why I, I like the word phenomenon rather than UFO. Uh, now this is a favorite, uh, a quote from Dr. Jack Valley. Dr. Jack Valley never ever stated that the UFO phenomenon is real. He stated, however, carefully that the UFO phenomena seems to be real. And that's the, uh, position that I take. The phenomena seems to be real. And uh, that's the very important word. But, uh, as far as the conclusion, uh, I have no idea because, uh, it goes on and on and on. It really does. Yes. And it has been going on for ages, uh, from time immemorial. I mean, people have, Claim that they have seen some strange lights, uh, you know, from the beginning of uh, history, and but uh, so far it's very difficult to come up with uh, definitive, uh, conclusive physical proof of this. So this is the reason why I like to classify this UFO phenomenon as part of the uh, non-physical reality. Now everybody that lives in this world have a concept of realities and most people by far and large around the world uh take physical reality as the only uh you know uh, reality that they know that does not mean that they are not interested in other realities but so far it's hard to come up with any physical proof of non-physical reality uh, because it's uh, it may not be physical, as I said, but nevertheless, uh, we need to uh, be interested in all kinds of, uh, you know, angles of things. But as of right now, uh, yeah, uh, I believe solely in a physical reality because I'm not an expert at all on non-physical reality. I'm not an expert on religion uh, nor belief systems and mysticism. Myths. I'm not an expert on these, but... Uh, uh, I, I only know about physical reality, and unfortunately, no matter how narrow this may sound, uh, it's the only standard <coughs> uh, no for problem. me to actually delve into uh, uh, this kind of stuff. And uh, Carl Sagan warned us many times that uh, America is inundated with, uh, you know, beliefs in uh, mysticism, myths, and so on, uh, religious uh, beliefs and beliefs in general, that has undermined the America's uh, true pursuit, especially among young people, true pursuit of what scientific method is, what the empirical science is. And uh, so uh, I am a tremendous supporter of uh, the importance of science and logical thinking. And, uh, you know, I, as I told you a few minutes ago, I'll be presenting on April 18th uh, a presentation called Area 51 in Nevada, which is a reality, of course, and Dulce, New Mexico. Now, the title is called Reality Versus Myths. Now, yes, there's a lot of myths about Area 51. And sure. I'll talk about... Those myths. Yeah, we'll get and into then, that. Mm-hmm. As far as Dulce, New Mexico is concerned, it's absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely, uh, uh, it's mythified. It's to me, it's myth because I've been over there many, 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 many times. I live only about three hours drive from there. I uh, go there once in a while. I talk to people. I see the places. I uh, uh, climb the. Uh, uh, close to the foothills of the Mount Archuleta, uh, on the west side of the Archuleta Mesa. 
Yes. And uh, did a lot of things, but as of now, I have yet to see any physical, tangible evidence that there is a physical underground base over there. None. None at all. But the rumors persist because many people uh, survive on mysticism and their beliefs. Yes, and we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, just one more thing about UFOs and these mysterious objects in the sky. For one, um, we see NASA cutting live footage off from, I guess you can say, their various space stations up there. And what do you make of that, sir? Well, there have been so many, countless numbers Lots of uh, reported incidents uh, concerning uh, NASA's activity and, uh, you know, observation of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, you know, space station and, and, uh, you know, alleged, uh, uh, filming of, uh, things. But, uh, that has not brought about any tangible evidence of any extraterrestrial advanced, uh, Physical, uh, the, uh, visitation of, uh, you know, ETs from outer space. It's interesting, though I'm not denying that it's not interesting. Understood, it's interesting, yeah. But that's all we can say. And I agree with you. Yeah, we don't exactly know what these things are, but it seems like NASA has a habit of cutting these, uh, live feeds off whenever these things show up in the sky. Or in space, well, rather. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I don't know what to say, but there are definitely People, uh, a segment of the UFO community that ascribed everything, uh, you know, footages, uh, of NASA and everything you can imagine. They ascribe all these to extraterrestrial visitations. <laughs> and uh, to me, that's a stretch. It kind uh, of is, yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And by the way, you live in Rio Rancho, correct? That's correct. Uh, it's a, it's a great city right next to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, I love this great state because it has one of the most... Uh, it has uh, a really rich history. Rich history, and yeah. uh, this state has the highest number of scientists per population anywhere in the United States. Is that because of Operation Paperclip? Well, it's, it's operations that involve uh, military research, and uh, the uh, that's where all the Germans were at, by the way, after World well, that's War right. II. Yeah, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the uh, this is a fact that a uh, lot of uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, German scientists came to uh, United States and uh, they had a big role in the establishment of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, weapon systems and uh, rocketry and uh, many other things. So the importance of uh, Operation Paperclip is not. Uh, we cannot underestimate that. Uh, True. It's important. And New Mexico, uh, as you may have heard, um, is where uh, many of these uh, scientists and even some SSI people uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, landed here. And many of them were transferred to White Sands and uh, Los Alamos National Laboratories. And so the rest is history. And so, uh, considering all of this development in New Mexico, and uh, considering that New Mexico is where the first atomic uh, test was conducted anywhere in the uh, the world, that's and true. So, yes. In that sense, it's so important, and uh, it's so important because this state, even though it has a population of two million only in the entire state, 
which is uh, so large. It's the fifth largest state in the Union, but yet the population remains around uh, two million. And so there's uh, plenty of space here to conduct a lot of uh, military projects. Uh, one of, example of one of which is the White Sands, uh, the uh, missile ranges, uh, which is a very, very important where they are testing. Tests, I guess. Uh, the, uh, the, the leading edge technologies in the directed energy weapon systems and micro, uh, uh you know, a, a laser system, uh, as a weapon system. So, uh, in so many ways, yes, this is an important, uh, place. Uh, but, uh, other than the scientific, uh, uh, importance of New Mexico, there's also the element of, uh, what I can describe as, uh, a paranormal. Uh, paranormal beliefs among some segment of the population, particularly among, uh, the local, uh, Native, Native Americans. Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm not against the word paranormal because the, I classify the paranormal, uh, things uh, as part of the, uh, non-physical reality that I, I talked about. Some people are not sensitive enough to understand uh, the paranormal. Uh, as I told you in the beginning, uh, religious persons, uh, spiritual people tend to believe in the paranormal, while uh, the so-called uh, scientific uh, community uh, tend to believe basically in the physical reality of, th- of things. Yes, they do. And like I said, there's so many different things to get into, but I do want to put this one topic to rest here, and that's the whole abduction phenomenon. Of course, since the early 1960s, there's been plenty of reports of UFOs in the sky and even incidents of people boarding crafts and being taken away. What exactly is your thoughts and opinions on the alien abduction phenomenon? Well, I believe that uh, it's an interesting phenomenon, but the unfortunate fact is that uh, throughout all these uh, claimed experiences by... uh of the piece, we have yet to come up with a solid true uh, physical artifact uh, from any of these incidences. And uh, basically, here's what I want to let you know. Yeah, we understand if there were uh, some cases of abductions uh, uh, conducted by uh, possible uh, entities from outer space, which I'm very skeptical of. But uh, regardless, there seem to be too many uh, reports of yes. abductions, and this is exactly what Carl Sagan uh, stated: that there are too many reports of uh, UFOs coming in and going away, coming in. Uh, he estimated that on the average, several hundred uh, and probably seven thousand uh, a year, and uh, there's no point for advanced uh, extraterrestrial entities. To come here and go back, come here and go back. Uh, they've been uh, doing it for so many years to uh, no uh, uh, results, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, I am uh, tending to the non-physical reality uh, connection to the abduction uh, phenomena. Uh, we're involving uh, uh, psychology because we still don't know uh, because. <laughs> the psychology is still a developing uh, discipline, uh, science, uh, and uh, in, in a way. 
and uh, we don't know enough about uh, the abnormal psychology and uh, or rather parapsychology. We don't know enough about it. But uh, of course, we hear of so many abduction cases and abductees go around the country speaking in the uh, UFO conferences and saying they're giving their uh, so-called amazing testimonies of their experiences. And, uh, you know, that uh, that's all, uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, there's no uh, conclusion to it. Uh, the, <clears throat> you know, the this phenomena, the abduction phenomena, is hard to measure because, as I said, uh, it may not necessarily be. And I am very skeptical that it is a physical phenomenon. It's a very strange one. Like we just mentioned, there's been various accounts for a long, long time now. It always makes me wonder, then, what exactly are these people experiencing then? Well, I would say that uh, many times uh, people have a tendency to belong to something, and uh, some people uh, have a need to be classified as different. Ah, yes, to feel uh, special. That's right, exactly. They feel special. In fact, <laughs> ah, yeah. that's the key word. And, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, thing, people can come up with all kinds of uh, strange uh, stories, and uh, until solid physical uh, Tangible evidence, evidence right? Appears, right? It's all stories. It really is. It really is. And like we were saying, who really knows? There might be truths um, far stranger than anything a human mathematician or astrophysicist has yet to come to dream, I would have to say. That's exactly true. But the thing is that uh, the vast, overwhelming vast majority of the world's respected scientists, astronomers and engineers and you name it, the overwhelming vast majority do believe in the possibility of existence of uh, uh, other uh, yes. civilizations or even cultures uh, in the, uh, 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 you know, uh, in outer space, in this vast universe, and the it's almost unanimous. However, the overwhelming vast majority of the world's respected scientists and astronomers, uh, etc., uh, tend to be very skeptical when it comes to the UFO phenomenon as a conclusive evidence of physical uh, ET visitations. And this is something that most people, diehard UFO believers, do not seem to be able to separate. Uh, one is the likelihood of uh, intelligent uh, entities elsewhere in this vast universe and their conclusion that UFOs represent such uh, conclusive evidence of physical ET visitation. There's a difference. Yes. So moving along here, New Mexico is known for all sorts of different things. And, of course, one of those is the cattle mutilation phenomenon as well. Can you? Well, that's true. Yeah. Can we can we get into that a little bit here? Well, actually, this all started, as far as I'm concerned, in 1967. Yes, in the 60s. So, Yes, because a lot of people associate cattle mutilations in New Mexico with uh, mid 1970s, uh, you know, uh, incidents. But it's not it's not really true. Uh, but uh, the it's, what's important is that in 1967, the Atomic Energy Commission uh, did do an experiment near Dulce, New Mexico, on December 
1967, whereby they exploded a nuclear device about a mile and a half underground in a open space in a forest uh, right next to the Hikari Apache Reservation. And this is a very important incident because uh, this was part of the post-war uh, policy of trying to utilize atomic energy to benefit the people. So it was called the Operation Plowshare, you know, plowshare indicating mm-hmm. for peace, you know, not war. Yes. Uh, so uh, this incident took place in 1967, and then what happened was uh, with this type of uh, incidents and experiments, there began to be rumors that uh, this incident may have triggered some people's idea that uh, somehow uh, the government was, uh, you know, uh, involved in uh, destroying the uh, alleged alien presence in uh, those area and so on. And uh, so this is very important. And this is exactly what I'll be talking about uh, in April 18th in Rio Rancho, nice. where I told you yes. about the Dulce New Mexico reality versus myth. Yes, the reality is Dulce exists, uh, no question about it. But the other reality is that uh, it's not about aliens, but rather a health issue, which has been over, uh, you know, which has been actually underestimated. Uh, the health issue I, I'm talking about is the exposure to the eventual leakage of radiation uh, in New Mexico uh, from this uh, Project Gas Buggy program that they did in 1967, and it uh, affected the uh, uh, the people and animals in that area. Oh, that's and terrible! So it was. Te- it took about ten years, or maybe seven, eight years, before it started to have some impact on the environment. And uh, today, as I said many times. In, uh, uh, programs like such as this, that, uh, you know, Dulce New Mexico is not about aliens, but it's about a very important, uh, health issue that has been underestimated under the cover, uh, not a cover, but under the, uh, you know, stories that deal with underground bases and, uh, uh so conveniently, the stories of Dulce underground bases have overshadowed the reality, uh, and I'm talking about the high rate of cancer and a high rate of infertility around Dulce, New Mexico, and this even goes to today. I just recently received a powerful testimony from a member of the Hikari Apache Nation, Ooh. and uh, she clearly wrote, that uh, she's a member of the Hikari Apache Nation, and his her father passed away from a brain tumor in 2006, and that uh, her mother uh, was just diagnosed uh, this year, in January, with a brain tumor. And uh, she told me that she honestly believes there are no coincidences uh, here, wow. and uh, she even said that the radiation lingering effects are making my people sick with cancer. I myself Ooh, can't yes. have any children. And this is a very powerful testimony that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, really uh, associates the whole Dulce area with uh, lingering uh, uh, physical uh, uh, issues. And there was no uh, intentional cover-up of this. 
There's no, there was no cover up. Uh, it's just that, uh, this topic was overshadowed by the, uh, rumors that sprung up about Dulce, Dulce Underground Base and so on. They, uh, totally overshadowed this very realistic, uh, issue. Yeah, that's not good. <clears throat> that's not good. Sorry about that. I'm gonna clear my throat there. Um, you know, that reminds me of the 2011 Fukushima nuclear disaster. We are led to believe that it's not as bad as it really is. Um, any opinions on that quickly here? Yes, that's true. The, uh, what we're talking about is the uh, restricted uh, area around the city of uh, uh, Fukushima, especially the surroundings of that uh, uh, nuclear plant, power plant by the uh, ocean you, in Fukushima. Yes. Are, are they you, ever yeah, going to clean that up, you think? I just... I just have no hope for it, to be honest with you. I think it's terrible. It's a, one of the worst disasters ever. Well, that's true. And even today, the Japanese government is uh, using the robots, uh, robotic uh, uh, technology, to uh, clean up that location. But uh, it's very difficult. But the thing is that, yes, that area uh, is a vast area, but there are many areas surrounding Fukushima that have not being that uh, in a dire situation. In fact, many people uh, seem to be returning to the non-exposed areas uh, of the uh, that part of Japan. And uh, so, uh, the of course, there's so much uh, hyper, uh, uh, you know, uh, the uh, inflating the uh, the dangers of this this area, which is true, but. Uh, what can we do? You know, I mean, most people who live in or near the uh, power plant uh, have uh, gave up hope on ever returning to that place because uh, even after uh, 40 years from now, uh, nothing would change. But uh, other surrounding areas have uh, seen uh, the uh, uh, quite, uh, you know, uh, redevelopment and uh, you know, the uh, plant lives and so on uh, have uh, come back. So, yes, there is a lot of exaggeration in a, in a way, only on a certain location. But, uh, you know, the uh, conspiracy-oriented people tend to uh, dramatize uh, everything and uh, tend to look only on the the negative uh, the, uh, effect of this uh, situation. And uh, so... Yes, my hope is that, uh, yes, uh, the, many of these outlying areas of Fukushima, uh, will be, uh, restored and, uh, the, uh, but, uh, In the due big time. problem facing yes. all of this is the young people. There's a lack of young people in that area. The majority of the people that are living in Fukushima and, uh, nearby prefectures are Old age people. In other words, they're senior citizens. So you don't find too many young people. So yeah, you know, uh, Norio. By the way, I was going to say there's not much uh, breeding going on out there in Japan anymore, is there? That's absolutely true, and this is a very important subject matter. Because it, it really is. I, I would it, love to get yeah. into this because in, I'm interested. In about, uh, yes. Yes. In about thirty years from now, Japan will have uh, actually right now. I'm, I'm telling you right now, one out of Three people in Japan are over 65. And this is the reason why the Prime Minister of Japan and uh, other cabinet members uh, are now stressing uh, opening Japan to uh, 
uh, immigration uh, from other countries, uh, but even though Japan has not been used to accept, uh, uh, you know, foreign workers and uh, foreign people, uh, uh, you know, to Japan. But uh, without doing this, uh, Japan will have a dire future uh, and not enough workers. So uh, actually, I posted uh, some items on, uh, you know, uh, Facebook saying that Japan needs more foreign workers and they are uh, lifting the restrictions uh, on uh, applicants uh, because uh, there are not enough young workers to fill the uh, uh, jobs in Japan. And so the only recourse is to invite uh, workers from other countries, uh, you know, South America and uh, other Asian nations and uh, Africa and uh, even Muslim countries. Uh, so uh, the restriction for immigration is really uh, being lifted uh, in many ways. Otherwise, Japan will not exist uh, as a nation uh, after 40 years from now. That's pretty wild stuff. Any idea why people aren't having kids out there, Norio? Well, because it has been a policy of the Japanese government to reduce the number of children uh, because the, after World War II, there was a baby boom in Japan. Right. And uh, that, that continued way all, all the way to the uh, 1970s uh, and uh, when Japan was really in the climax of uh, full economic uh, prosperity in the 90s, 1970s. But now, uh, a lot of things have happened in the last uh, 20 years, uh, 25 years, and that is the... Uh, uh, the uh, the explosion of the bubble, you know, the economic bubble has uh, right. taken place and exploded, and and uh, there's just it's not in a good condition, Japan, right now. When was the last time you were in Japan, Norio? Well, I was in Japan. I would say I think uh, in 1995 or 90, 1996, uh, but I uh, uh, have uh, uh, friends. Over there, uh, that uh, absolutely are in love with Japan. In fact, Japan is uh, hosting the 2020 uh, Olympic Games. And, oh, that's uh, true. Yes, there are more tourists in Japan now than ever before. The number of tourists from foreign countries going to Japan is just astounding. It's just astounding, and uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's a great, beautiful country. It has the most modern system of things, but yet it retains the very old uh, buildings as well and culture. So this is one of the reasons why people are fascinated uh, with Japan. And, uh, you know, as I told you, in 2020, Japan will, Tokyo will host uh, the uh, first Olympic in so many, many, many years. I think the last time they hosted the Olympic game was in 1964. So, uh, Long time, yes. 2020, yes, it's going to be a great, uh, event and many, many, many more visitors will come and the vis- visitors go to Japan to enjoy the most modern facilities and technologies and, uh, then at the same time enjoying the traditional, uh, culture over there. And, uh, you know, you know, it's a fascinating country. Uh, it really let's think is. about some of the uh, items that Japan is well known. Uh, the animation industry is very, very... It's booming. Yes, booming. The video game industry. 
Yes, the game game industry, the computer games, uh, you you name it, and uh, uh, many of the technologies that were developed in Japan have been used and continue to be used in the American military. Uh, if you take, for example, uh, you know F thirty five or uh, you you name it, uh, any other aircraft, uh, some parts uh, are actually from Japan. Uh, the Japanese uh, electronic makers. Uh, uh, provide a lot of stuff to the U.S. military. Norio, what kind of car are you driving? Well, actually, <laughs> I'm wondering. Uh, I always drive a Toyota. Oh, okay. Because, uh, our whole family was a Toyota family because, uh, you know, we have never bought any American cars except uh, Japanese cars uh, oh. like a uh, Toyota mm-hmm. and uh, Honda and uh, Nissan. But uh, uh, for the first time in many many years. Just recently, I purchased an American van, the Dodge Caravan, which uh, so far is working all right. It hasn't oh, stopped. And so, that's good. Uh, yes, I think that uh, the technology has improved, and especially when it comes to cars, uh, vans like a Dodge uh, Caravan, they have been in that for many, many years, so they have enough, you know, a record. Of, yeah, Dodge uh, isn't a bad company. That's right. It's good. And uh, so this is the, uh, the, you know, the whole essence of uh, this, uh, uh, the Trump phenomena. The Trump phenomena has somehow caused a friction uh, between uh, Jap- Japan and the United States as far as uh, uh, the trade is concerned. And so this is, uh, you know, we, Japan has invested billions and billions of dollars in the United States. But yet, uh, in some areas of uh, Japanese car industry, they uh, already established uh, branches in uh, Mexico. So, uh, at this point in time, you know, uh, to say that uh, all those uh, factories that were already established in Mexico uh, should uh, move completely to the U.S. is, uh, I think it could be a little difficult. Yeah, I think a lot of things... um that are in the works are quite difficult for uh, Donald Trump there. And I'm glad you mentioned him. But um, before we get into that, that portion here, going back to Japan really quickly, have you had any emails or phone calls from anyone in Japan in talks or in regards rather of uh, UFOs? <coughs> Excuse me. You know, UFOs is uh, really a dying topic in Japan. There was a time in Japan where, TV programs mm-hmm. had a heyday of a variety of UFO TV programs, you know, live programs or programs with guests and a talk show program on TV concerning UFOs. But it has seen the heydays already, and very few people are into UFOs and the uh, paranormal and uh, occult and other uh, things. Uh, you know, Japan is a country where uh, mold and fashion arrives very quickly, but it goes away quickly as well. Well, so, that's, that's uh, pretty true, uh, yes, actually. There are many yeah. people in Japan that are absolutely uh, fascinated by the UFO phenomenon. There's, uh, every sector in Japan has a diehard uh, follower. And this UFO is no exception. Uh, you know, let's take, for example, music. Uh, right. There are some diehard music fans of uh, bluegrass music in Japan. But uh, 
Yeah, you just have to look for these uh, groups. Uh, because Japan is a highly specialized area. Uh, there's everything for every person. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that because even in Japan, as you said, there's a strong love for different music. And one of those is, as weird as this sounds, is quote-unquote gangster rap. I recall seeing a documentary where it was a, a bunch of Japanese uh, gentlemen who were dressed like gangsters, really. And it's because they love the music so much. Exactly. Japan, as I said, is a country They that, embrace that, lots of different things that here in the West we would probably look down upon as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. But uh, at the same time, Japan uh, does not only copy things from other countries. It does more than that. It adapts the uh, foreign uh, culture and then they put it into a higher level. They're front uh, runners on a lot of things, I must say. Oh yes, yes, that's that's true. That's uh, absolutely true. So it's a, a peculiar people in in the sense that right. they are you know they they like to make things and invent things, but uh, at the same time they like to do it so every person uh, can purchase uh, things at a reasonable cost. And that's the policy of Japan to make good materials, good products with uh, this reasonable uh, you know price. Yes, and. Norio, going back to the convention you are speaking at, where can people find more details about that event? Yes, people can actually go to my uh, website, and this is the only actual website I have. It's called noriohayakawa.wordpress.com. Noriohayakawa.wordpress.com. W-O-R-D-P-R-E-S-S. WordPress.com, and if you go to my site, uh, I you can uh, access uh, hundreds of items that I have written in the past uh, several years. Yes, you have some of great material. Items are very, very interesting. Great material, I must say. <laughs> and I just wrote an item about Rio Rancho uh, because many people are not aware that. Rio Rancho, which is uh, right next to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Rio Rancho is uh, only 20 miles away from a fascinating geological area, which I describe as Moonscape. Oh, I saw that photo, yes. Yes. uh, In fact, uh, not only the photo, but I wrote uh, the whole article about it on, uh, you know, the Civilian Intelligence News Service. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I, I told them how to get there and uh, what to do over there. And I included a lot of pictures. So, yes, in a sense, New Mexico is, uh, this is the kind of stuff that makes New Mexico a land of enchantment, which also uh, captures the attention of uh, some people who are into spiritual uh, right. spiritual uh, beliefs and uh, mysticism and the mysteries and uh, so no oh, the crystal you know, healers yes yes that's right <laughs> right it's a beautiful location the scenery out there is, is fantastic and all the photos I've ever seen yes it is fantastic and I'm very uh, fortunate to be living here in New Mexico I moved from Los Angeles in 2000. 13, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2008. Oh, that must and, have been a, a uh, great yeah, change the, for you from my, LA. Yes, my last time <laughs> came from Los Angeles to New Mexico oh, and, terrible. you know, the, we're enjoying every minute of our existence here in this, uh, 
uh, land of enchantment, uh, which truly it is. You know, the, the there are so many areas that are just mind-boggling in this uh, uh, land of amazing natural formations, uh, rocks, uh, uh, even volcanoes and extinct volcanoes, you know. And uh, uh, so this is probably one of the reasons that uh, many people uh, feel like they want to move to New Mexico. Something told them to come here. And as I said to you, uh, Michael, that uh, I believe in uh, physical reality, but I also uh, accept the possibility that there's a non-physical reality and, and uh, you know, there are things in this world that uh, we are puzzled by, and one of those is uh, coincidences. Mm-hmm. And That's I don't one. believe that there are such things as coincidences uh, there, something just uh, told me to, uh, uh, told us to move here. And uh, that is mm-hmm. one of the things that contribute to a lot of people who live in New Mexico, who came from other states. They said something brought here. You know, I've heard that before. And I also must say that must me, uh, that must uh, be an improvement from Los Angeles. That's not a good place to live, I must add. Yes, uh, it's good to visit Los Angeles and uh, because they have the- definitely not to live there. Yeah, they have, uh, you know, a lot of great uh, locations to go, a lot of great uh, uh, restaurants and, uh, you know, uh, food and culture. But uh, New Mexico uh, has also... They got that too, yeah. ...greatest food that you can ever think of. Now I want to go to New Mexico even more. Yes, that's right. When you come to New Mexico, I'll take you to all these interesting locations as the Dulce area... And also the moonscape areas oh, of New Mexico. Don't threaten uh, me with a good time, Norio. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to follow you up on that offer. Definitely. And uh, I'll take you uh, to a lot of these places, including the uh, right next to the Kirtland uh, Air Force Base, Sandia Base. Ah, yes. Where they test a secret, uh, uh, basically almost a secret uh, weapon systems. And... Uh, uh, laser, uh, you know, optical devices and so on. And uh, I'll take you to these uh, fascinating locations, uh, you know, when you come here. Oh, I would really appreciate that if we did. We we definitely have to do that. And um, I see that we are kind of running out of time here. But before we do, I thought we could close out and talk a little bit about the ever so strange Mr. Paul Benowitz, who had a very crazy story of his own. Even his death is very strange and unusual, I must say. It's unusual in the sense that he was committed to a mental hospital towards the end of his life. And uh, uh, the reason for that was uh, somehow he was a victim of a disinformation campaign coming right from the uh, Kirtland Air Force Base uh, and headed by uh, by then uh, OSI person uh, Richard Doty, Richard C. Doty. But... Uh, if Paul Benowitz was a very good scientist, he was inventor of a lot of things, and he was selling a lot of military equipment to Kirtland Air Force Base. But somehow or other, Mr. Paul Benowitz became a victim of a campaign that somehow originated from uh, Mr. Richard Doty, who was at Kirtland Air Force Base in the 1978, 1979, 1980. And those were the years when the Dulce rumors actually uh, uh, started uh, to be propagated. And uh, But the big question is, did Richard Doty do everything, all this disinformation tactic on people like uh, Paul Benowitz, on his own, or 
did the actual Air Force and OSI uh, was responsible uh, or backed uh, Richard Doty or not. There are many opinions divided. Uh, some people say Richard Doty was a self-claimed UFO disinformation agent. Mm. Uh, you know, self-claimed. Because nowhere, uh, there's no records indicating that he was part of an organization that uh, that participated will willfully to destroy Paul Benowitz. Uh, so it's possible uh, people like William L. Moore, uh, who claimed that he was part of the government, uh, you know, uh, program to uh, uh, to uh, give this this information to uh, Paul Benowitz. Uh, but people like uh, William Moore may have acted on his own, uh, not under the backing of official. U.S. agencies. So this is another thing that uh, is fascinating. There are a lot of people who claim to be uh, whistleblower. There are a lot of people right. who claim all of these, but uh, it's very hard to come up with any credible uh, documentary evidence uh, for this uh, conspiratorial, uh, uh, you know, outlook about the U.S. Air Force and U.S. military trying to brainwash people. There's no uh, actual documented right. evidence for any of these. Yeah, there really isn't. And one other person who also had a very unusual history was Phil, or Philip Schneider, rather. Uh, and another, true. yes, another interesting character who would it's allegedly... It's an interesting mm-hmm. character, and it's an interesting story. That's why right. a lot of people are into that uh, strange... Uh, story of uh there's Schneider that, and yeah. in my uh piece the area 51 and Dulce New Mexico reality versus myth I bring up uh Phil Schneider and I point out that Phil Schneider was a latecomer to the Dulce uh rumors he was a latecomer in fact he only came around uh, after uh, 19 94 uh, or 1995 in oh, fact he okay. passed the following year but he was a latecomer because there were already many, many, many characters that have been promoting the Dulce story uh, for, for years. And one of the original promoters of the Dulce story, actually, even though he didn't name any uh, facility such as Dulce, uh, his name was Richard Shaver, and uh, he wrote a bunch of science fiction novels in the beginning in the late 40s and early 1950s, called the Shaver Mysteries, in which he uh, he described the underworld entities that are doing hideous things uh, underground in, in Earth in the many locations. And so this was actually a plan that was uh, seeded by those who propagated uh, the Dulce underground story for many, many years. Uh, but uh, in my uh, article, uh, Area 51 in Nevada and Dawson, New Mexico, reality versus myth, I uh, write, I wrote an item about Phil Schneider and uh, his family relationship and why uh, he came to this type of a situation. And so, but uh, nevertheless, uh, there are millions, uh, I won't say millions, but there are tens of thousands of folks who actually believe every single, single thing that Phil Schneider ever claimed. But, uh, you know, the first person that actually hinted anything about the uh, underground uh, battle 
was Bob Lazar in 1989. Without Bob Lazar, there would be no uh, Phil Schneider. Right. That's that's a fact. Yeah, Bob Lazar. That's a whole another can of worms, as I'm sure you would say. Another another can of worm, and uh, you know, <laughs> uh, there are some UFO authors and uh, TV prom- uh, promoters and uh, UFO conference promoters, and even some newscasters that continue to uh, uh, propagate the Bob Lazar story. Oh, they push while the narrative. More and more folks are uh, tending to dismiss the entire uh, Bob Lazar story uh, from the simple uh, fact that uh, his claim of the existence of S4 facility 10 miles south of Area 51 on Papoose Lake, by Papoose Lake, is, uh, is, it's just, is not there. There's no uh, proof uh, that it's there. Uh, so, uh, he was indeed uh, a smart guy, no question about it. Uh, he, he did some uh, dealings with uh, some of the defense contractors uh, uh, doing some minor projects. Even uh, even uh, right now, I believe yeah. uh, he does have a company called United Nuclear, and occasionally he does some work for uh, some of the defense contractors. So he's not a dumb person. He's a no. smart, and he has a lot of knowledge in certain areas. It's just his qualifications have always been a little shady to some people because um, his background's still up in mystery, to be honest. It is up in mystery, and uh, I think he just likes to keep it you that way. You think he likes that? You think he's playing the yeah. part? <laughs> playing up the gimmick a little bit there? That, that, that's right. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not against uh, people who promote the I'm not against it either. Part. Yeah, I hear but, you. But uh, it's interesting, but... The bottom line is that uh, there's no single uh, conclusive, uh, tangible, physical, documentary evidence whatsoever that uh, alien, physical aliens are here on Earth. Uh, but that does not mean that uh, some of these uh, entities could be non-physical in nature. And that's out of my... Uh, uh, expertise because I only deal unfortunately in a physical reality and uh, but I am open as I said many many times just because I'm oh, I go f- to the physical reality that does not mean that I'm interested I'm not interested in uh, you know non-dimensional matters or non-physical realities uh, which is part of the belief system the religious belief systems of people uh, spiritual beliefs, uh, mysticism, and myths, and so on. You know, that's an important right. part of culture. Yeah, so in other words, you're not up for um, element 115 then? Uh, I'm not uh, into <laughs> that because <laughs> because uh, there are so many arguments uh, produced by uh, scientists that Correct. Uh, uh, about uh, element 115, and uh, these are the people who uh, work daily on the chemical elements, and uh, they uh, seem to uh, discard completely the Bob Lazar story in claims. Correct. True. One more other name, John Lear, another fascinating character who I have interviewed myself, and I was a little blown away by him as well. He kind of went off in in a different tangent there when I talked to him. Um, Can you divulge in your opinion there? Well, John Lear is a very uh, interesting and very smart person in some ways, and uh, his expertise in the Nevada test sites and uh, the Nevada, uh, you know, uh, those areas in Nevada, including the um, Tonopah Test Range and uh, everything, yeah, he he's, he knows a lot about those stuff because he was involved in the uh, 
the uh, Evergreen uh, uh, company, the CIA uh, uh, aircraft uh, types, uh, you know, uh, transport planes. And so he knows a lot about uh, uh, more than any other person in the world about the Nevada test site. And uh, but he comes up with some uh, uh, stupendous uh uh, fantastic, uh, stories such as that, uh, there are people and cities, uh, on the moon and on the uh, moon. It, yes. Yeah. And so on. And, uh, it seems like he puts all these things intentionally, uh, as part of, uh, I don't know, to, to get attention and to, uh, create, uh, uh, some kind of, uh, you know, mass, uh, following in this type of uh, beliefs. Yeah, I think that might be a little counterproductive at this point in time in 2017. That's true, because people are realizing that, uh, you know, many of these uh, sites that promote these things, such as the fake news sites, have confounded uh, people. And uh, even uh, educated people sometimes fall into this trap uh, uh, of uh, especially the social media and fake news sites that have promoted uh, and continue to promote uh, unreasonable uh, beliefs and uh, unreasonable conjectures about uh, all of these things. Very true. People are very gullible. And as I say on this program time and time again, it's not against the law to profit off of others' ignorances. That's absolutely true. It's a business as usual. And, you know, my, my motto is that there's nothing new under the sun. And That's how very true. That is. That's very true. It really is. And before I let you go, I must mention another name. That is one, William Bill Cooper. Another, n- another fascinating character. Did you ever see him live and direct at any conference? Oh, yes. I did, uh, some conferences with him and, uh, small and large. And uh, what was he, he like? was a victim of, uh, I can state that uh, he was a victim of delusive uh, convictions about himself. But later on, he departed uh, from ufology, and he even coined the term ufology. Mm, and that's right. He just departed <laughs> from this area totally in uh, the, uh, towards the 2000, early 2000s. And uh, then uh, he just uh, went into the other direction, that is the militia movement. And he was a one-man militia, and he didn't have a, a regular militia following. Just uh, He was just a one-man uh, militia operation. And unfortunately, he uh, provoked uh, the county sheriffs uh, in Arizona, and uh, it ended up that uh, one of the sheriffs, uh, fearing for his life, uh, shot at him as a self-defense because... Uh, Seemed like uh, Bill Cooper uh, did uh, shooting. He vowed that. Yes, he, he uh, said uh, that he would not be taken alive. By the way, that's right. And uh, but he is now in uh, you know in the another world, in a better place. I, I hope. Know, yes, I don't know what he's thinking about all of this, but uh, basically <laughs> yes. he was a good man. I believe that he had good intentions, but uh, he may have. Uh, he just got off the rocker right there a little the bit. Elusive, uh, things. Yeah. He went a little nuts there towards the end, and I still have his book, Behold a Pell Horse, which I think is a great book even till this day. It is a great book because it's a compendium of all the beliefs that are popular among conspiracy uh, believers. Yeah, conspiracy uh, so theorists, for sure. He, yes, he just uh, 
wrote this book uh, collecting all kinds of information from various sources together with his own bio, uh, autobiography. And uh, it was a convincing book to a whole bunch of people, and it's still being sold at some bookstores. Oh, that's very true. Very true. And just to jump here really quickly into things that are, well, things that didn't happen such a long time ago in the world of politics. Um, I'm sure you saw that photo with, I believe it was Hillary Clinton who was walking around with some sort of UFO related book. Um, for a long time there, the narrative was if perhaps people voted for Hillary, then there might be some kind of disclosure. And I remember laughing at that notion. I thought that was rather, I guess you could say for uh, lack of a better word, um, silly. Is it exactly true? It's exactly true. You know, uh, the CIA did everything it can to release, uh, all kinds of documents and it have, it has released, uh, all that's necessary in, uh, uh, UFO reports and, uh, uh you know, pe- countries like Spain and Great Britain and other countries have released, uh, all they can about, uh, UFO reports and sighting reports and so on, but it has not, uh, uh, ended up in anything. It's just, uh, releasing of documents and, uh, they haven't explained, uh, uh, anything. So it's just, uh, you know, that there's too much hype about, uh, you know, that this, this year, this thing is going to happen next year. Uh, the government will release some amazing things about aliens and so on. But it has been like this for ages. Since 1999. That's right. Uh, since 1999. And that uh, this is part of the people's uh, uh, psyche. The American people has a special need to hold on to something to counteract the, uh, uh, the, t- the tremendous... Uh, unstable society we're living in. They need to have something uh, to hold on to. And that's my uh, belief. Are we all that mental? Are we all facing some sort of mental illness, I I must say? Well, I think everybody is susceptible. uh, Even uh, college professors are susceptible to uh, unreasonable uh, uh, beliefs in in, uh, unreasonable items such as... uh, uh, the alien presence and so on, you know. So we are all susceptible, susceptible to all of this. But the important thing is to we have to keep our two feet on the ground. Very when true. We do everything. I always say that we were basically well for those who were born here, we were basically born into the biggest circus in the world, and we have front row tickets to the, the mayhem that ensues here in the United States. That's true. That's that's true. You know, a lot of people. Uh, overestimate the, uh, the, the technologies. Uh, yeah, technologies are amazing, but, uh, a lot of, some people in a segment of the society actually believe that we are dangerous. Technologies that we have came from aliens, you know, and Norio, uh, that's not true. Norio, our society is dangerous, I have to say. I, I think we're kind of crazy here in America. I think this is exactly what Carl Sagan warned us in 1997 when he wrote the book, The Demon Haunted World, and science as a candle in the dark. And we're definitely in the dark. We're, we're too animalistic for some sort of intelligent being to come down here and share all their secrets with us, I have to say. Yeah, I, I think you're right, yes. 
Yes. So once again, I, I do want to thank you, Norio. And before I, I do let you go, please go ahead and plug your website or again, the event that you will be attending, sir. Yes. All you have to do is go to my website called noriohayakawa.wordpress.com and you can see all the articles I have ever written in the past several years and people can also friend me on uh, uh, Facebook because uh, I am on Facebook under Norio F. Hayakawa. My middle initial is F as in Fernando, which is my initial uh, middle initial, but if you go to Norio F. Hayakawa on Facebook, uh, I can communicate with anyone right away. What's your middle name? I saw that on Facebook. My middle name is Fernando. Fernando, okay. Yes, which was a Catholic name uh, because uh, even though for 12 years in high school, I didn't, uh, uh, I resisted becoming Catholic, but it happened, uh, you know, uh, when I was... Uh, in that high school, I became a Catholic, but uh, of course now I uh, don't consider myself a Catholic. You broke from the bondage. That's right, exactly <laughs> right. But I do believe in spiritual, uh, uh, you know, spiritual things. Sure, and, uh, sure. I don't be- be- believe in religion because that's an awkward form, but I do believe in pe- that people should be spiritual. No question about it. Yes. So, Norio, once again, thank you for being here and. My goodness, I I hate to do this, but I must leave you with the final word. I'm sorry, I keep poking you. <laughs> yes, I. Uh, uh, it sure was my uh, great pleasure because uh, this kind of talk that I just gave you on your show may not be popular at all among the people who listens to this kind of program on the internet. But uh, of course, there are some people who enjoy this kind of uh, neutral. Uh, you know, presentation on uh, things. And, uh, you know, as I said in the beginning, I don't uh, despise the belief in uh, non-physical reality and that there could be many realities in this world, uh, even though personally I can only speak from physical reality. Very well said. Once again, thank you for being here, and we will touch base in the near future, Norio. Definitely, especially when you come to New Mexico. Oh, we'll do it for sure, 100% guaranteed. Okay, thank you so much. All right, Norio. Take care. Thank you. Good night. And that was my guest, Norio Hayakawa. Wonderful guest. We talked a lot about UFOs and the madness that comes with UFOs, and that's the people involved with the great UFO phenomenon. And, of course, I'm going to have to take him up on his word there. I would love to go to New Mexico and see all the sights and sounds and investigate myself. Lots of strange things go on out there. Got to take a look for myself. So, looking at the time here, let's go on a little break. And when I come back, I have a couple things I want to talk to you about. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Have you thought of breaking through? Ain't it part of what you do? Catch a victim while he's dumb Break his larynx with well, your it's high time And it's time to get high Well, this ain't no goddamn dream It's exactly what it seems Wake up today Just to lay back down and say I won't be coming back 
Let's call it a heart attack. Give me some of that knack. This is just a final payback. They all flipped on me. Took my passions, left me be. When I had a place to sit, a goddamn attitude to fit. Talk real smoothly with a spit. Things have changed and I have quit. Got nothing to look forward to, but a backlash full of lies. You're too late where you're going. This is fate. The whistle's blowing. It's much too late. It's all too late. You're, you're much, much too late. Like a piss hole punk with his nose turned up and And welcome back to the program. Always so nice to see so many of you still locked in. Thank you for being here with me live tonight. Now, at this point in time, I would usually be introducing the second guest. But tonight, there is no second guest. It's just you and me, one-on-one. I thought I could go over a couple of things here with you. A few things that have weighed in on my mind. However, at this time, I wanted to take the opportunity... And share something with you that I've always held close to the heart. I have a little announcement to make here, but before I do, just bear with me. It all really began back in 1998 when I I was uh, scanning the airwaves on my Walkman very late at night in my bed. Being a night owl, as I've always been, sleep has never truly been my best friend. So this Walkman was kind of like my best friend. It helped me. Sleep at night. Lots of restless nights. And that Walkman always helped. Now, at that point in time, I was fascinated with a program called Loveline. Yeah, that program. With Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. I loved the call-in format. The live aspect of it all. How unpredictable it was. That's exactly why I do this program. I like that unpredictability. It's fascinating. It's the reason why... I've always wanted to do a live call-in show. Now, fast forward through time here. And originally, I wanted to be a psychologist or a counselor of sorts. All these things strangely coming full circle here. Now, going back in time to 1998, I'm scanning the airways for something. And I come across another talk show. This time, I heard two voices talking. And I didn't know who either men were. But I was hooked right away. It was extremely fascinating. Later on, I found out who that voice was. That was the voice of Art Bell and Stan Dale. I used to believe it was Michael Cremo. However, I found out shortly after that it was actually Stan Dale. As the years went by, I was an on and on, on and off again listener. Sorry about that. On and off like many of you are out there, right? I'm sure plenty of you Listen throughout the years, I later realized that my dad was also open-minded about all these different topics. Of course, my mother was not like that, and she still remains that way till this day. Even though she herself saw something strange in the sky, basically drove her back into strong religious beliefs once again. Funny how something like that could change or revert any kind of perspective you had. Anywho, 
This coming Monday night at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I'll be on another program called Coast to Coast AM with George Nori. I'll be promoting this program and talking to George for a moment. It's a very exciting and surreal experience to be on Coast. It's always been a dream of mine to be on the program. It's quite an honor. A lot of hard work has gone into this project, and I do want to give a special thanks to Laura London and Tom Danheiser and, of course, George Norrie. Of course, I want to thank all of you out there who have stayed loyal to me and rode with me through the thick and thin. A number of you have been with me here from the beginning. I hope you continue to share this wonderful experience with me through time. Some dreams are made for children, but most grow old with us. Now, moving forward here, I'm always fascinated by these stats. The stats where it's the listener sessions top ten list, those stats. It's always fascinating to see those numbers. And, of course, I don't even have to give you the, the first number here. The United States is always number one. However, of course, the UK and Canada are constantly battling, and this time I'm finding out that Germany is actually number two. I never thought I'd see that happen. What happened with the Canadians out there? They used to always tune in, and of course Germany is there, and these two next ones are just bizarre. Afghanistan and Pakistan. Well, those people on that list make me a little bit nervous. I'm not sure if you know why. However, I understand the boys out there must be a little bored while on duty or call. My hat's off to you gentlemen out there tuned in. And of course, we got Japan. And I know exactly who is listening in from Japan. This one listener, I know it's this one guy. He emailed me before and wanted, wanted to call in, yet he never does. But I know that's him. And of course, there's unknown who we don't really know who the hell that is, obviously. It's unknown. And, of course, Denmark and Australia is on that list. Kind of strange. I never figured this program would be listened to in those countries. It's um rather bizarre, I would have to say. Now, moving on yet again here. i sorry to bore you with that. I'm just always fascinated with the stats here. Speaking of which, did you hear about the Secret Service stopping that suspect before reaching the White House fence? Not exactly sure why people are still doing that sort of thing out here. It's really, really weird to me. I, I'm not sure exactly what, what's the purpose. I mean, this guy was carrying two cans of pepper spray. <laughs> I, I'm not exactly sure what he was thinking about doing with that uh, pepper spray there. It's beyond my comprehension at this point. He definitely was triggered. Now, let's move on to some more pressing issues here. Michael Savage. Did you hear about that gentleman recently, folks? Last time we heard from him, he was being sued by Art Bell over comments he made about Art and his wife. A rather low thing to do, in my opinion, but that is exactly who he is as a person. Of course, that lawsuit was um, handled or settled rather out of court, which, of course, we all knew that was going to happen. We all knew that was going to get swept under the, under the rug there really quickly. Now, I first must say there's no reason to attack anyone physically without someone else trying to first harm you. And second, Michael Weiner, and that's, of course, Michael Savage's real name. It seems like his name really is his destiny. We're told here that Michael Savage was eating dinner 
at a restaurant and someone said, or someone asked rather, if he was Michael Wiener. And we're told that Michael didn't really like that. And this gentleman actually attacked Michael Savage. Michael went on to say that it's open season on Trump supporters. Open season? Well, I got news for Michael Savage. It's always open season anytime that little red light comes on. Myself included. As I've said time and time again on this program, I say what I mean and I mean what I say. Get ready to back your words. People have been getting the boots put to them since the dawn of time. He learned that the hard way. Even at an old age, he wasn't old enough to get the boots put to him. My God. And that makes me think, he shouldn't be so damn cheap. He's being paid such a great amount of money. Why can't he afford a bodyguard? He says all sorts of things that I don't agree with. And lots of people who aren't really that smart, smart enough or wise enough to know, you'd think he'd really meant the things he'd say on on air. But that's his radio personality. You know that, right? Most of these radio personalities don't really mean any of the things that come out of their mouths. Words fall from their mouths like shit from ass. Now some people will want to seriously harm you because of something you said. And it comes with the turf. I already have known about all this. I have already orchestrated and planned for all of these situations. Poor bastard that Michael Savage. Michael Wiener. I hope none of you out there try to go on, go up one on one with me. It's not going to end well for you, I must say. Michael Savage, my God. Not a big fan of his, I must say. Sure, he says a few things correct every now and then. But guess what? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. I love freedom of speech. And if you don't, you probably are a communist. Now time is slipping away, I see. I wanted to inform you once again. I won't be having a show this coming Saturday. I'll be out of town. Not to worry, I'll return in no time. Let me remind all of you out there, you can go back to end of days radio.org or michaeldeacon.com to check out any previous show that you might have missed. This show completely depends on all of its listeners, and that means you out there. I depend on all of you to spread the word, be a friend, and share. Also, I want you to remember, if you have any funny impersonations of myself or other listeners, you have to send that in to me. I'd love to play that. That's michaelendofdays at gmail.com. MichaelEndOfDays at gmail.com. Of course, if you have any comments or concerns or questions, go ahead and shoot me an email and I'll try to answer that as quickly as possible. No guarantees. I have a number of emails that I haven't even responded to. Sooner or later, though, I'm going to have to answer some of those here on the second half of the program. 10 o'clock, Monday night. Tune in to Coast to Coast AM. I'll be there promoting this program and I hope to see you there. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like this. If you can just see it, it's clear. <laughs>
It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. Oh, Granny, I like Granny. I'm a TV real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak tonight. Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my two cents to talk about you that you have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Guess what? Oh, hold on.